Jones and Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Back here with you on the Burns and Gambo show on this Thursday afternoon. We are live today from the Ainsworth, right across the street from Footprint Center, where later tonight the Suns will be taking on the Brooklyn Nets. It's a late one. It's an 8 o'clock tip time. You'll hear it here on Arizona Sports, the Arizona Sports app, 98.7. It's a busy, busy night in local sports. ASU, big game tonight against UCLA. We'll talk about that a little bit later. The Coyotes were scheduled to chat with Bill Armstrong, the general manager of the Coyotes, coming up here any moment. Uh, They are hosting Alex Ovechkin and the Washington Capitals tonight at Mullet Arena, so I was thinking about this, and, and uh, Luke Lipinski had mentioned this earlier. The ASU game and the Coyotes game literally about separated by about 200 yards tonight. So uh, the campus of ASU is going to be the place to be. U of A's in action tonight as well. So a busy night for local sports. And, of course, we'll have it all covered for you here on Arizona Sports. Today, I just want to let everybody know while we wait for Bill to call in, today's a, a bit of an unusual day for us. And, of course, our thoughts are with Gambo here on the Burns and Gambo show. He is not with us today. They're, uh, they laid to rest their family dog last night, and uh, it's anybody who's ever been in that situation knows how emotionally challenging and draining that can be, how tough that can be, and of course, Gambo and his whole family, they're taking it very, very hard. So we just, you know what, take the day, do what you need to do, be home, hopefully he's back tomorrow, and so the thing that we're doing that's a little different today is we're Mitch and Eric. You guys are filling in. You know, we're like we're like a band that's without its lead singer, and we're all just taking turns singing the songs. Right? That's what we're doing. We at today. least know how to do backup vocals, but no one uh, no one prepared with the lead lyrics. So all of us are we're just we're going up we're stringing cheat, along. Cheat a little bit. Yeah. yeah, I mean we've got the we've got the written lyrics in front of us, but we're we're trying to make do with what we've got here on Burns and Gambo. Out of all the comparisons you could have used, you had to use Gambo with singing. Oh, well, that's a good point. You yeah. know, I I, I I know, but then. You know, is he the lead, is is the, is he the lead guitarist? And now I'm the lead singer. But we have to remember, Burnsy is still the king of analogies. So usually we just roll with whatever just, you I, present, I, right? I, I, I'll I'll give even though he's a terrible singer. For the purpose of the metaphor, I'll say that Gambo's our lead singer and say that we're because I think from a band standpoint, that's you know, hey, the lead singer's got laryngitis tonight. We're just going to do the best we can singing our songs. All right, and we can't all hit the same notes that he can hit, but we're going to do the we best. We can play we, all the instruments. We, we can play all the instruments. We can still do the thing, right? We just might it might not quite sound the same as it normally does when we have our lead singer here. So that is that is what we're doing. Um, but like I said, we're down here at the Ainsworth, and our promotions team is down here as well. And if you do want to come down and see us, they are giving away tickets to the Super Bowl Music Fest, and the artists featured for this festival are Imagine Dragons, the Dave Matthews Band, and Paramore. They're handing out um, the tickets that they're registering people to win those tickets right now. So if you want to come on down to the Ainsworth, you can check in with us and uh, we'll give you a an opportunity to win those tickets if you want. In the meantime, guys, we're down here and of course, Suns, that's probably the number one topic for us uh, in addition to the Cardinals and the latest coaching search. Suns and the Nets tonight. The big story, Cam Johnson is back tonight for Phoenix. Woo! It's something. It's something. It's something. It's something. It's, it, you know what? It, it's it's hard not to want to make a big deal out of Cam Johnson. And, Can we make a big deal out of it right well, now? Well, you know what? It's it's not it's not a big deal, right? I mean, because it, it's, it's not a big deal to it, the league. It's a really big deal to 
us that had to watch six wins in the last but month. It is a big deal for us because we've been looking for some sign that this thing is going to flip. And I don't know how many minutes he's going to play tonight. Is it 15? Is it 20? Is it 25? I have no idea. I don't know how well he's going to shoot tonight. I don't know how rusty he's going to be. But just his mere presence, just the fact that he's going to be out there is, is I think, that kind of life preserver we've all been looking for. We, we've been We've been drowning with this team for the last month or so. And just to see him back, Eric, is sort of that sign that we've needed that maybe things are going to start to flip for this team a little bit. To me, Cam Johnson has always been kind of that first domino because he went out so early in the Sun season at the point where you're like, wow, they're really clicking. And then, boom, six games in, he goes down. And then everything else happens that we've obviously been talking about, the awfulness that is, the losing streak, the injuries, all of that. But then when you see, okay, Cam Johnson's coming back. What does that mean for everybody else? And we got a little blip of hope with Chris Paul being listed as questionable, but now back to out. But you'd like to think, or you would hope to think, that as Cam Johnson comes back, this kind of sets the table, in a sense, for every other player that's injured right now. This is kind of like piece one of getting the Suns fully back to strength, right? There's two pieces that I see. Number one piece was the offense needed a boost. They needed the shooting help. They got that from Damian Lee, but it was never consistent enough, especially coming off the bench. You rely too much on McHale and Ayton, and they can't provide at the level that they're being asked to. It's a lot to ask of. So they got that back. But the other thing is ball handling and distribution. There's still somebody who needs to run this offense, and that is lacking with... Chris Paul and Campaign and Devin Booker and even Landry Shamit. I'll give him some credit because somebody's had to bring the ball up since all three of them have been out. That's still missing, but can the offensive part of it be enough? Can the shooting be enough tonight? Yeah, and, and that's well, uh, and that's where it's twofold, right? The the offense certainly gets a jolt tonight with the return of Cam Johnson. There's no denying that. The ball handling is a real issue, and and anybody who's watched this team, boy, it's just been, and, and bright side of the sun, they had a really good preview on the game tonight, and it does feel like until you get Chris Paul and or Cam Payne back every single night, or Devin Booker, I'll throw him in there too, because certainly he qualifies, every single night feels like it's got the potential to be an adventure in ball handling. Who's going to bring the ball up? Who's going to initiate the offense? Who's, you know, if, if there's pressing going on, Dwayne Washington has struggled so much with that to the point where we saw Saban Lee get a big bulk of that. He's become like the best time. ball handler active right now. Just because them. it's time to kind of mix things up a little bit. Monty was talking about that over the last couple of days to do something a little bit different. And, and so until that gets solved, and I guess that's my point. There's only so much Cam Johnson's going to be able to do. And and I think it's like reality and perception on this. The reality is Cam Johnson coming back is good. It certainly does not solve all of their problems. The perception is that we have been starved for good news from this organization. We've been looking for something, anything to get excited about. And so when Cam Johnson comes back, that noise that you let out, that Mitch, I would ask you to not let out again, because Don't worry. It, it pierced my brain. But but that, that noise is kind of what Suns fans did, right? It's like, man, thank God. Something. 
right? Whether it was a James Jones trade, whether it was ever, just give me something to feel good about with this team and that's what cam johnson is eric and cam johnson's kind of that guy that over the summer him and mikhail talked about their ball handling bringing it up the court and even players like chris paul said that that opens up a ton for them i'm excited to see even if he doesn't come out and have this insane high scoring game which i think he's still going to be able to shoot it well tonight he's going to be able to come out and alleviate everything else and everybody else i think is just going to fall more into a rightful place well that's and, and that's that's the other thing um that that when things get kind of realigned now, Mikel can shift back to his normal role. Hopefully DeAndre, if he shifts back to his normal role, we can start to see the better version of DeAndre rather than the one that we've had for these last couple, three weeks. It, it's As the guys start to come back, it's not just about the, getting the guys back. It's also about getting guys back into their normal spots. All right, when we come back on the Burns and Gambo Show, Bill Armstrong, the Coyotes GM, he will join us next here at Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona, 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 Arizona sports. sports. Burns and Gambo talk with a decision maker from the Coyotes front office. Brought to you by Midwestern University Clinics in Glendale. Faculty and graduate student-led comprehensive health care. Visit MWUClinics.com to schedule an appointment. Back here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Gambo's got the day off today. Our producer, Mitch, our producers, Mitch and Eric, are both filling in for Gambo today. The Coyotes are back at home tonight at Mellot Arena as the campus of ASU is going to be rocking with both that and an ASU basketball game tonight. The Coyotes taking on Alex Ovechkin and the Washington Capitals tonight. And joining us right now on the Arizona Sports Line for his bi-monthly visit, we're talking about the general manager of the Coyotes, Bill Armstrong, who joins us here on Burns and Gambo. Bill, I hope this call finds you well how you doing today i'm doing great i i I heard gambo got arrested that's why he's not here today on the the call i just want to be the first to get that out to the listeners (laughs) so so this is this is how you operate as a general manager you spread these false rumors about guys and and devalue them and you pounce on them when the value's low right bill is that how you do this yeah that's the way I've had the most success in the draft. You know, you put out a couple of texts and emails to people and a couple of Twitters out there, and they start dropping right to you. It's perfect. That's why you were able to rob Vancouver, right? Uh. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. That's funny. Well, for you, Cambo, I, tr- I promise you, when, when Cambo's back, we're going to play that for him, and I believe he'll get a real big laugh out of that. That's good stuff. Um, so for you guys coming in now to this game, we'll talk about Ovechkin in a minute because obviously his place in history and what he's going for is is something cool to see. i got to imagine for you, the relief of ending that nine-game losing streak the other night, the way you did it against the Red Wings, uh, especially in dramatic fashion, had to be you guys have been grinding a little bit these last couple of weeks, and that had to be a load off everybody's minds and everybody's shoulders. Yeah, we were playing good hockey. We are losing by a goal. Just, you know, we weren't, we just we were missing opportunities to score. And, you know, everything just went our way against Detroit at the end of the game. And, you know, for our guys, it's, you know, you go through the rebuild, your players, you know, they, they're giving everything they have. It's, it's, it can be tough on them at times, especially when you go some of these streaks where you just, you know, uh, get some bad breaks. Uh, you don't play very well and with bad trouble travel it kind of adds up and just uh, happy to see the response for our guys how hard they fought in that Detroit game and played a great game and you know the young players have played well too and uh, we're close to getting Michelli back in the lineup 
so we're starting to get healthy. Um, and it's just been really good to see the, the guys come back in the lineup. You know, Chipperin's been really, really good. Gossip Spears had a great season. And so we're starting to get to that point where everybody's kind of achieving and, and the younger guys have played some real good hockey. You mentioned the travel, Bill, and I'm reading a story that is relevant from a couple of games ago. This was before you played Minnesota and Winnipeg. 15 games in 26 days, and a lot of it just has back-and-forth travel. In, in like, opposite of the 20 out of 24 where you were on the road to start the year, now you've got this big back-and-forth where it's like two here, two there, all over the place. How are the guys handling it? How are you handling it? Well, it wears on them, you know, during the course of the year. And hockey's a physical game, you know. So, um, especially, you, you see that sometimes in our young players, will be, they'll be so good one night, and the next night they're just exhausted, and it's like they're swimming. And, you know, they're just trying to keep up. Um, it, it's a battle. It, it is. And I think, you know, the, the NHL vets know how to do it with their recovery and how they look after themselves. But it's a hard league, and, that, and that, that's a physical game. You play a ton of games. And, and nowadays you just jump on the plane, and you're just crisscrossing. Uh, North America basically to, to get the games and it, it wears on you after you know especially this time of the season but the good news for us is that there's a lot of sunshine in AZ and when you come home it's uh it's probably the best place in hockey to rest. Nothing beats that. No, absolutely not. Bill Armstrong, the general manager of the Coyotes, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show. 37 saves for Ingram the other night uh, against the Red Wings. It, it is, it, and I believe, if I remember right now, that was back-to-back games that he started for you between the pipes. Is that yep. is that kind of a reflection of needing to give Veg a little bit of a break because of the numbers and the performance? Are you trying to balance that a little bit and looking at, at the, like, this grind that Mitch was was talking about a second ago? Well, you know, Veggie's always had great success uh, when he can sometimes catch his breath. And, you know, the goal center was, was Wedgwood here last year would give him, you know, two games in the pipes and uh, give him a little bit of rest and a reset and away he'd go. So we, we're going to, you know, obviously I think Veggie will come out and have a great game tonight. That's just the way he is. He, he probably, uh, he's been in the grind since the start of the season and he's been going almost every night. So he needed a little bit of break. And, and you know, uh, Ingram hadn't won a tremendous, uh, you know, he hadn't won a lot of games this year, but he's played really good in net, and uh, uh, he just, you just knew it was coming for him, and he's been solid, you know, so um, it, that's good to see on his end, too. He's, he's found a home here. He's played some good hockey in net for us. If I recall correctly, I don't think we had you on at the point when the All-Stars were announced. Clayton Keller making his third appearance this time around. I just want to know from you, Bill, tell us from your perspective, Clayton Keller, why does he represent the Arizona Coyotes? Well, the best part about Kells is that he's he's a competitor. I mean, he, he wants to win every single night, and he's he wants the puck, and that's what great players do. They they want to control the tempo and the pace of the game, and that's what he does. He has the puck, he's got the skill, and he's got the hockey sense. And you know, he's he's just grown. I think from the, my time that I've gotten here, he's probably my most favorite player to to be on our team, just because of the growth that he's you know achieved with his with his points and how consistent he is almost every single night, uh, and that's not even counting the you know the horrific injury he went through last year and and him coming back and you know working so hard in the summer and didn't miss a beat so it's been great to see and uh, he's a big part of our team Bill Armstrong, the general manager of the Coyotes, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show. The Coyotes hosting the Washington Capitals tonight at Mullet Arena. That game starts at 7 o'clock. You'll hear it on the Arizona Sports app. Um, of course, you can't talk about the Capitals, and, and it almost feels like you know perfect world scenario. You guys get a win, but maybe the fans there get to see Alex Ovechkin get a goal or two. Yeah. Despite, yeah. I mean, it, it's right because it's, it's one of those when you see a pursuit like this, and, and I'll be the first to admit, I, I saw when he passed 
Gordy Howe. I saw the highlight, and I yep. kind of lost track of it after that, so I pulled it up today <laughs> to look at the list. God, Bill, when you look at the list, that he it's it's amazing. Oh. I mean, it's it's hockey, right? It's the NHL right there staring you in the face uh. when you look at this list that he's on right now. Well, and, and not only that, it's harder to score goals. Let's let's be honest. Like goaltenders are better, players are better. There's there's less room in the net. It's uh, and he's found a way to, to in the new era of hockey to score and do it consistently every single year. It's incredible what he's done. And even like you know, there's records behind the records. He's got the most shots in the NHL. Like every night, he sets a different record. And uh, he truly is a superstar. He he has you know put Washington on the map um, and just a consistent goal score and that you know he's, he's probably one of the uh, the greatest superstars we've kind of seen in our era uh, of hockey players and he's, he's won a championship with that too so it's uh, he's got all the accolades yeah I, I and i got to imagine for you I, I mean for any hockey fan you you want to see your team win but you want to see greatness too right you you, you want to be able yeah, to experience yeah. that as well and i would think for anybody going to the game tonight that's kind of part of the experience you you want to see him do something great not at the expense of your team but you'd like to see him do something great yeah not tonight um, but every other night. <laughs> he, I don't know if you remember the spinorama on his back when he beat Brian Boucher, the, the Coyotes. I was going to ask you about that, but yeah. yeah, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead Mitch. Where, so I'm curious because you obviously weren't with the organization at the time, but how vividly no. do you remember when he scored that goal in particular? Well, Brian Boucher is a good friend of mine, and uh, I, I think I used to imitate that when I came down on him in summer hockey. Uh, <laughs> that goal just to, just to piss him off because uh, he's, you know, he, he I think he was on like a ten game winning streak too at the time or whatever that they scored on him. But uh, wow. uh, he, he, yeah, it was just an incredible goal that he scored, and no one will ever forget that. And he's got a host of other ones, but. Um, yeah, he's he's done enough damage against the Coyotes over the years. We need to lessen that tonight. So, uh, you know, hopefully he maybe has an off night and picks it up uh, again after he leaves, if that's fair. You know, if you really want to piss Boucher off, what you should do is start a rumor that he's been arrested. I hear that works every time, Bill. <laughs> and if Gamble can hear us right, if Gamble can hear us right now, we're going to raise the money and get you some bail from the guys. And, uh, hopefully, we can. Uh, hopefully, we can get you up by next week when we do the show again. All right. The uh, trade deadline still a ways away. It, it, it seems always seems very oddly placed to me in the NHL. It's so late, but I know for a lot of people they like it better because you get a better chance to kind of see what you've got for you do the calls come in non-stop or do you notice a time when they start to pick up bill well when there's a deadline people make decisions right and, and a lot of times teams don't know whether they're going to get in or they're out and they've got to make that decision at that time so it's obviously it picks up um but you know you try to plant some seeds early on find out who's interested in what you have to to trade and you try and get some, some seeds planted and, and uh, kind of go down the stretch and, uh, and see if you can get what, what, uh, what you want for them as far as picks and, uh, or prospects. And, you know, so most times it comes down to the deadline. It is late. Uh, and I think sometimes when you add players late, it's hard to get them to fit into your team. So uh, most teams try a little bit earlier, but it never seems to get done because everybody's got a really, really high price at this point. Yeah. Uh, Bill, we appreciate the time, as always. Thanks for the conversation. Good luck to you and the organization tonight. We'll talk to you or Javier next week. Thank you. 
You're welcome, guys. You take care. Thanks. You too. Bill Armstrong, general manager of the Coyotes, our guest here on the Arizona Sports Line here on the Burns and Gambo Show. We are live from the Ainsworth in downtown Phoenix, right across the street from Footprint Center. Suns and the Nets coming up at 8 o'clock tonight. And then, of course, you've got the Coyotes taking on the Capitals. You've got ASU taking on fifth-ranked UCLA. Busy, busy night in local sports. Do want to remind you, as always, you've got thoughts on what we're talking about. You can text them to us. The FanDuel text line is open for you at 620-620 right now. It's not just head coach the Arizona Cardinals are looking for. It's offensive coordinator. It's defensive coordinator. How does that factor into what the Cardinals are trying to accomplish with their head coaching search? We'll talk about it next. Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports. Cardinals head coaching search. Update. 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 As of right now, nothing is, well, I was about to say nothing's changed. A couple of things have changed, but the basic integrity of the list that we have in front of us has not changed when it comes to the Cardinals and their coaching search. So far, there are seven known or reported names on that list. Ejiro Aviro, the Broncos defensive coordinator, interview's been requested per reports. Brian Flores, Steelers senior defensive assistant, interview's been requested. Aaron Glenn, Lions defensive coordinator, interview has not only been requested, it has been scheduled. Per reports, it's going to be on Saturday. Vance Joseph, Cards defensive coordinator, that interview's been reportedly completed. Sean Payton, former Saints head coach, has been requested. No word on any kind of schedule there. Frank Reich, former Colts head coach, that interview was completed a couple of days ago. And D'Amico Ryans, 49ers defensive coordinator. That interview is scheduled per reports. We don't have a date. Some have speculated it is either today or perhaps tomorrow for the Cardinals. Seven names, five of which are defensive-oriented in nature. Sean Payton's not. Frank Reich is. And everybody else is a defensive guy, basically. As we kind of look ahead and think ahead to what's going to happen with this coaching search. And by the way, if you're just tuning in, Gambo's got the day off. I'll explain why in a little bit. Uh, but, of course, our thoughts are out with him as, as his family is trying to navigate through a tough time right now. We just kind of rallied the team together, and it's me, and it's Mitch, and it's Eric, and we're doing the show up until 6 o'clock today. There's one thing, obviously, guys, that stands out on this list, and it's, it's mostly defensive guys. Yes. They might end up going with Peyton, or they might end up going with Frank Reich. But so far, the lean certainly seems to be defensive. And then you see this other list that's out there. The Ravens today got rid of their offensive coordinator, Greg Roman. Mitch, there are 10 teams looking for offensive coordinators in the NFL right now. That's a third of the league trying to figure out a new vision and new direction for their offense. That's a really interesting and competitive pool the Cardinals are going to have to swim in now to try to figure out what their offensive vision is going to be going forward. It kind of gets overlooked in all this, in a sense, because for years we were so accustomed to Cliff Kingsbury. He's also the offensive play caller. He didn't have an offensive coordinator by you know, general standards, and now he's gone. So we, it, we understand that we need a head coach, but we overlook the fact that he was also the offensive coordinator for this team. And you know that times are dire in teams looking for a new offensive coordinator when Nathaniel Hackett is being interviewed for the job in New York. I digress. 
The point being... No, that's just because you're a bitter Broncos fan. I'm very bitter. I'm very bitter. You have to be... Mitch, if you're going to do this talk show host thing, you have to be transparent with the audience, and you have to let them know that you're a bitter Broncos fan who's upset about Nathaniel Hackett. As long as they know that, they'll... Well, I I know They'll accept the snark about the Jets. I'm sure that bitter Cardinals fans don't want to hear from a bitter Broncos fan right now. But I will say, to your point, it is increasingly competitive specifically for the Cardinals because they create this now Venn diagram of teams that need not just the head coach but they also need the offensive play caller and it's especially important here Eric because we're talking about Kyler Murray at at kind of this crossroads moment of his career and I believe me I not only get I endorse the idea of you got to have a leader of men got to have a leader I don't care if it's offense I don't care if it's defense you got to have a leader of men all the cliches apply at some point Point, you do have to care about Kyler Murray's development, right? right? You have you, you you have to care about that, whether it's directly in terms of who you hire as the head coach or through the offensive coordinator. You need to bring in somebody here who's going to bring out the best in Kyler Murray. And that was one of the main things we always talked about through the Cliff Kingsbury era, specifically this past season. There was just those moments where you looked at how Kyler Murray was being utilized, and I remember you guys being on air talking about needing design runs, and when Kyler does have design runs, that usually turns out to be something good. It just felt like there was never somebody there fully unlocking that potential with Kyler Murray on top of not being that leader of men that can bring the whole team together. So I kind of got blinded by the whole head coaching search, the GM, and you know, I think we talked about it, Bernsey and show prep was like, oh yeah, they got to get an offensive coordinator. And so I start to think, could that answer come from internally? Could that answer come from a Spencer Whipple or a Sean Jefferson who interviewed with or is reportedly interviewing with the Pats for their offense? Offensive coordinator position. I was surprised to see that, Sean. Not surprised makes it sound like he's not capable of doing the job. I, I wasn't expecting to see Sean Jefferson's name come up for that Patriots OC good job. Good for him, though. No, good for him. Hey, I, I'm, that Patriots offense was not the best last year either. I think so there's this running assumption that Bill O'Brien's going to get it because of his ties with Belichick, but good for Sean Jefferson for at least getting a look for that job. I think, too, well, it also makes you feel good that somebody wants a former Cardinals head coach, right? Like Gambo has complained all along. If you get somebody that's picked off from somebody at a lower level. I know, I know. It's wide receivers to OC, but that point aside, I think at the same time, this will benefit Kyler, whoever the head coach is going to be, but also knowing that there's probably also going to be an offensive coordinator. There's going to be two different people. There's going to be a separation of duties, more delegation. I feel like what lacked with Cliff's regime is that there was a severe lacking of delegation until it got to the point that it was almost too late. And then Kyler got hurt, and it almost felt like, well, it's kind of irrelevant who's calling the plays now that the the prized possession of this team is not going to be playing. Yeah, and and make no mistake, he is still, uh, you can be as down on Kyler as you want, he is still the prized possession of this team. He is still the guy around which you have to build this thing, and the guy who needs to be the focus. And and I'm, I'm thinking back now to our conversation with Darren Urban from azcardinals.com and, and how you know, this idea, okay, you, you can't rush this. you got to take your time. you got to make sure you talk to all the candidates you want to. Maybe some guys who are still in the – I'm talking about the head coaching job now. There are guys in the playoffs. You still might, okay, I get all that. The rush might 
come in finding your OC. Because, and I'll, I'll give you the list here. I'm pulling it up right now from the Schefter tweet. Here are the ten, with the news today that Greg Roman is out as OC of the Ravens. Here, and, and I, I didn't even mention the news about Byron Leftwich earlier today being out as the offensive coordinator of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's kind of weird. Todd Bowles basically inherited Bruce Arian's staff, and now Todd Bowles gets to kind of really for the first time being the head coach there, gets to kind of create his own staff because those are all BA's guys. Here are the 10 teams with OC coordinator uh, openings. The Ravens, the Bucks, the Chargers, the Commanders, the Titans, the Rams, the Jets, the Patriots, the Colts, and the Cardinals. That's some fierce competition, Eric. That, that's And so if there's going to be a rush, yeah, there's only five head coaching openings, and you can probably take your time a little bit with that. But if there's a guy that you think is perfect for Kyler Murray, you're not going to hire the OC before the coach. I'm not suggesting that. But you do want to move with some kind of speed on this to make sure you get the guy that you think is best for it's, Kyler in that situation. Especially when you look at some of those other quarterbacks that are in that position, like a Lam- Mar Jackson or like a Justin Herbert. Not that Kyler Murray can't be those guys or doesn't have the potential to, but... Who do you want to work with more? Right. You want to snag the number one guy, the guy who's going to look at those jobs and go, hmm, I can work with that person. You want to snag them as soon as you can, because if they want to go work with a quarterback that's won an MVP like Lamar Jackson or Justin Herbert, who is constantly praised, you want to go out there and you don't want to wait for that guy to go somewhere else to another quarterback who also needs him. But then it's funny... Okay, so let's look at it that way instead. Instead of looking at the teams, let's look at not that it's all about the quarterback, but let's look at the quarterbacks. There are now 10 teams with offensive coordinator openings, and the quarterbacks are Lamar Jackson, to be determined in Tampa, Justin Herbert, to be determined in Washington, Ryan Tannehill, Matthew Stafford, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, to be determined in Indianapolis, and the Cardinals. Now, the reason why I'm doing it this way is when presented the list that way, yeah, Lamar Jackson, you can work with that. Yeah, Justin Herbert, who wouldn't want to be his offensive coordinator? It feels very bottom-heavy. It, 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 really, it feels very bottom-heavy, and that's kind of the point I was going for, is that once you get past those two names, it feels like it's Kyler, and then there's, depending on what those teams do, a big drop-off after that in terms of the quarterback you're going to get to work with. So if, if, if you look at it that way, the Cardinals OC job, depending on how you view Kyler as a coach, might be one to covet because all those other ones have such question marks at quarterback. It's, it's the money ball line, right? Like, there's good teams, there's poor teams, there's 50, there's 50 layers 50 of crap, feet of and crap. there's us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. And then you start to wonder kind of like, okay, well, what position are we in? Are we grouped with Lamar Jackson and Justin Herbert as Kyler? Tyler Murray, or are we kind of the leaders of the pack of this Mac Jones, Zach Wilson, and five other question marks? That's a good question. I mean, Eric, the way I look at it, it's it's Justin Herbert's in a class of his own. Like he's he's a guy where literally you can you know you've got the cheat code. You can do just about whatever you want to do as an offensive coordinator. I do think 
right or wrong, fair or not, with Lamar and Kyler, there does come a certain, not limitation, but you, you don't exactly have the cheat code either, right? Like there, there, There's going to be something very specific that you're going to want to do with those guys because they're such unique talents at that position. I get what you're saying with Herbert. Obviously, he, he is like a cheat code back there. I would also consider Lamar that. Obviously, injury concerns aside, he is one in MVP. He is dynamic in so many ways when he's on the field. And I think Kyler, he can get to that level, and that's basically what makes this offensive coordinator position almost more important than Baltimore's, than a Chargers. Did you yeah. see those other guys succeed in what they've already had? You know what? As soon as it came out of my mouth, I think I think cheat code was the wrong phrase. I, I, I just think there's, there's more... There's... I, 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 maybe I don't know how to describe it. I just feel like Justin Herbert just is more, gives you more options, gives you more. He, he just seems so refined in his ability to lead an offense. Um, but God, Lamar Jackson, it, look, if Lamar Jackson's the quarterback of the Ravens, they're in this round of playoffs, not the Baltimore or not the Cincinnati Bengals. There's no doubt in my mind. And, and Kyler, there shouldn't be anything he can't do as long as the right quarterback is to unlock it. I just feel like Justin's. Got got so many skills. It's got to be mouth watering if you're a if you're a coordinator coming in and looking at something like that. Again, Texas, your thoughts on the FanDuel text line at six twenty six twenty right now. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, yeah, the Suns are going through a tough stretch right now. Yeah, they're starting to get bodies back. What is this going to look like when the playoffs start? And will that give us hope that they could actually win this Western Conference? That's coming up next. Burns and Gambo supply. Burns and Gambo, live at the Ainsworth downtown on Sunday, presented by Michelob Ultra. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Yeah, that's us. We are across the street from Footprint Center here at the Ainsworth. If you're coming down for tonight's game, it's a late one. National TV audience, the Suns and the Nets, 8 o'clock tip time. You will hear it right here. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader, the Arizona Sports app, 98.7. And, of course, we've don't worry, we've got you covered with all the local events tonight. We Go to ArizonaSports.com, and you'll be able to find the Coyotes game, which starts at 7, the ASU versus UCLA game. Big game tonight. We'll talk about that in the reset. That one starts, I believe, at 8.30, if I'm not mistaken. ASU, yes, yeah, 8.30. 8.30 tonight, yeah. Uh, that's the voice of Mitch. Uh, Mitch and Eric are kind of co-filling in for Gambo today. For those of you just tuning in wondering where Gambo is, he's taking the day off today. They, um, sadly, and, and if you saw a social media account, we all kind of knew this was going on behind the scenes. Sadly, they had to lay their family dog to rest after 16 years, 16 and a half years last night and I, I think just about anybody everybody listening knows that can be an extremely traumatic thing for a family to have to go through that really tough and uh, it was really tough. So uh, we, Gambo thought and we all agreed it would be best for him to just kind of take a day and kind of reset and so we are plugging along best we can, the three of us, uh, without him. And hopefully he'll be back tomorrow. So we appreciate you listening right now, knowing that we're kind of down a guy, but we're trudging forward here. And hopefully Gamble's back with us tomorrow. And, of course, we're thinking about him and we're thinking about his family as they go through this tough time. Um the Suns, as I mentioned tonight, guys, and our own Kellen Olson, who's going to join us a little later on in the show uh, for his weekly visit with us, had I knew this was was coming. He and I talked about it yesterday. Kellen's argument for why the Suns are not done, 
And that argument is kind of rooted in this idea of, yeah, it's been awful the last month, month and a half, but if they can survive these next few games until they get whole again, and if they can stay whole for the last 30 games or so of the season and put themselves in a position where they can either be the fifth seed, the sixth seed, or even in the play-in tournament, that this year's Western Conference, the way it's structured, is kind of wide open. And a full-strength, fully healthy, whole Phoenix Suns team, even coming out of the bottom of the bracket, could make a run because there's no real great team in the NBA's Western Conference that you say, well, a fully healthy Suns team just can't get past them. Mitch, I'm going to start with you on this one. Do you find this validity? I was just going to breeze through the current Western standings and do it by games back. So at the top at 32 and 13, the Nuggets, a half game ahead of the Grizzlies. And then there's the drop, but this is where the parody is that you were hinting at from Kellen's article. Kings are six back of the Nuggets. Pelicans are tied with them. Mavericks two and a half back of the Pelicans. Warriors a game behind the Mavericks. Jazz tied with them. And then a half game back are the Clippers, the Thunder. Another half game back are the Timberwolves and the Blazers. Another half game is the Suns. Another full game is the Lakers. Literally, it's three to thirteen. It's it's, it's fully attainable. It's 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 westbound I ten at four o'clock in the afternoon. If you live somewhere in the West Valley, right? My West least Valley. favorite place to be. Uh, it, it's just it's a traffic jam. It's stop and go. It's brake lights. It's it's you know you're you're driving with one foot on the brake and 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 for look winning the Western Conference in the regular season, finishing with the number one seed, never. The two seed, never. And well, this, we also learned how much that matters well, last year. I, and, and that's and Eric, that's kind of what I'm thinking about when I'm thinking about this story is that last year we got so caught up in being the number one seed and so caught up on this franchise record for wins in a season. I'm not saying that this is better. I'm not saying that last year didn't give you a better chance of winning, but we also saw how, in some ways, meaningless such an accomplishment can be when you talk about the playoffs and what it actually means when it comes to that. It's always hard not to be a prisoner of the moment. We were all prisoners of the moment when they were winning 60 plus games and then you get to the playoffs and things are different and this year we're prisoners of the moment where everything literally almost everything that could have gone wrong this year has gone wrong so I completely understand Suns fans who are sitting there thinking, I'm going to chalk this season up. I just don't care anymore. And the West might be close. And I think you can look at that standings-wise as a benefit for the Suns. But when it gets to the playoffs, when it gets to those moments, I'm looking at all these teams that, yes, the Suns could beat. But they could also beat the Suns. Oh, sure. Oh, of of, of course. Yes. I, it goes without it goes without saying, but I'm glad you said it. Oh yeah, they could beat the Suns. I, and and look, the key to all of this, the key to Kellen's vision becoming a reality, it's not only getting healthy, it's staying healthy. And that's kind of one of those, you know, I'll believe it when I see it sort of things. Because that's you know, it's getting Chris Paul back. Can you keep Chris Paul back? You know, getting Cam Johnson back. Can you keep Cam Johnson back? I, I think that's part of the equation. I'll tell you right now that that. And I know this is going to sound like blasphemy for Pelicans fans, not that we have any listening. The real one team in the West that I would 
fear is Denver. I, I, I just I think Denver's juggernaut ish. You know, I, I think they're beatable, but I also think they're really, really good. And that might be the one team where I kind of draw the line. The Pelicans, Zion's never played a playoff game before. He and Brandon Ingram haven't played in games together hardly at all so far this season. They've both been dealing with their own injuries and haven't been on the floor together. Memphis, I think Memphis is good, but I think they're vulnerable, potentially vulnerable in the playoff time because John Morant's kind of a one-man show. I, I look at the Western Conference, and really, truly, the only team that scares me from an experience and talent standpoint is Denver. Maybe New Orleans, but mostly just Denver. Beyond that, Mitch, I, I don't know if I'm frightened by any of them, really. The, I, w- I will give some credit to Memphis. We we kind of poked fun of Jaw when he was talking the talk and then immediately could not walk the walk. Well, after that walk the walk, they uh, won 11 straight games. So I think Memphis and Jaw, to his credit, they might be fine in the West. I don't know if they'll be fine against Denver, but I know this for a fact, Eric. I don't want to play either one of those two teams on the road multiple times in a seven-game series if it can even get to seven games because of how good those two teams have been when they're on their home courts. Right, and it's tough because those are the teams that you're looking at if you do make it into the play-in and you win out. And I think the main thing that a lot of people are struggling struggling with is, Bernsey, kind of what you said. Everybody's saying, oh, when they're healthy. When the Suns are fully healthy, they can compete. If there's anything that this season has proven is you can almost never bank on that. I mean, sports in general, that's hard to bank with. But something about this Suns team in specific seems like every other game, every other play, somebody's going down with something. And I can see how, from a fan's perspective, you can say, okay, what we have right now just isn't working. It wasn't working when we were healthy in the playoffs last year. Now everybody's being injured. I, I can understand the sense of, ah, just switch it up. You know, get a high pick, try to make a big trade because whatever's going on isn't working. And I can also understand why people might have listened to the last 10 minutes of radio and said, you guys are crazy. I, I mean, it, it's it, it's a it's a basketball team that hasn't been right all year. They're not going to get right the next 30 games. You're dreaming. You're being, you know, it, 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 we're just, we're looking like, I think I've said this phrase so many times, I'm looking for a pathway to victory. And, and it might be narrow, and it might not be very well lit. I do think there is a path to success in the postseason, but it's not, it, it's certainly not the road well-traveled, right? It, it's it's gonna. It, and I'm not saying it's gonna be easy. And I'm not saying I expect it or even predict it. It's just one of those. Could this happen? Yes, I think a fully healthy Phoenix Suns team in the middle of April would be a team that a lot of teams in the West would not want to have a damn thing to do with in the postseason. Can we get there? I don't know. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, we're at the turn. Halfway home on this Thursday afternoon. It's the 4 o'clock reset. We get you caught up on everything going on in sports next on the Burns and Gambo show.